0: Welcome to week four of our summer series called Foolproof, where we have been learning to take the wisdom out of Proverbs, the wisdom written by King Solomon, and apply it to our lives. And hopefully you have been doing that through this series. And my name is Gina. I'm one of the serve directors here at this summit. And I've personally been getting a lot out of this series. And my family, we've been reading Proverbs together and been able to talk about the things that we've been reading and pull a scripture out and ask like, What has been meaningful to you out of today's reading? And so we've been getting a lot out of that, and some of you have been doing it on the Bible app, and as Alicia was reading earlier, telling you guys about earlier, you can do that with friends. You can invite friends to join you on the Bible Bible app and read stuff together and have discussion about it so you get some different perspectives other than your own through the book of Proverbs. And the other thing we've been doing every single week, we've been taking the characteristics of a fool and looking at that and how to apply that to our life, so we don't become the fool. We've been looking at how do fools speak, how do fools think, how do fools behave. And so today we are going to be looking at how fools deceive themselves and how we can become self-aware so that we don't play the fool. Because we all know it is not cool to be the fool, right? Nobody wants to be the fool. You don't want to play the fool. However, We know people that do. And what happens is the fool, what is interesting about this is that the fool doesn't know he or she is being the fool in the moment, right? They think that they've got the wisest idea, the brightest idea. They're going to go viral for their geniusness. They're just going to be all that in the moment, right? And what happens is it starts off like, Hey, hold my drink or watch this or you're not gonna believe what we just bought. And then you look at it and it is something ridiculous. It's something crazy. It may be even be dangerous, but they go for it anyway. And they think they're the coolest person around. And what happens is we all begin to look at them and say, I can't believe they did that. It is what stops the scroll on our phone. We begin to share it with our friends. We begin to laugh about it and think in no way we would do that, right? And the fool in the moment thinks that too, or thinks that he or she is the, the brightest person around. But what if the fool is a lot closer than we think? What if the fool isn't actually on our screen? What if the fool is something that lives or someone that lives inside me and someone that lives inside you? And it's so much more like that jack-in-the-box that is just winding up, just waiting to rear its ugly head at any moment and not even you are aware when it's gonna happen. It's kind of a little bit more like that. When I was a kid, there was a book that my mom would read to me that I loved. And it was called The Emperor's New Clothes. And I found it just hilarious as a kid. And it was one of those things that I said, read it again, read it again, read it again. And even today, I can see the images of that book in my head. And it was called The Emperor's New Clothes. And it was about an emperor who was well known in his kingdom for his lavish love of clothing. He loved to dress very, very well. But it was at the expense of his subjects in his kingdom. And so two current artists came into town one day, knowing this about the king, that he or the emperor, that he just really wanted to look well, be stately, present himself well in front of others so everyone would knows know how wise he was. And so they told this emperor, like, we've got this magic thread that we have come about, and when I weave it together, I can make you a robe of it, but what is so magical and exquisite about this thread, not only can you not find it anywhere else, is that when the robe is put on the person, If nobody else can see it, it means that they're incompetent or foolish. But if you can see the robe that you're wearing that is on you, then you know you're full of wisdom and you're holding the right position in the kingdom. And so the emperor was like, well, of course, who would not want this robe? And, of course, I'm going to look the best in this robe because I am wise. And so he hired the two con artists, and they began to weave a robe out of thread that was actually no thread at all. It was just all a lie. And so the emperor thought, I wonder how this is going. So he took his cabinet and his ministers in to say, let's see how this thing is coming together. Let's see this robe that they're making. And no one wanted to tell the other that there was actually nothing there at all. And so they just began to pretend how beautiful this robe was. And they began to describe it, how exquisite the thread was and how gold the gold stood out. And the design was going to be magnificent. And so they convinced the emperor that not only should he wear this robe, he should parade around the city streets in this robe so everybody in the kingdom could see this beautiful robe, only those that were wise. And so it would give the emperor the ability to know who in his kingdom was wise and smart and who had the right position and who was not. And so they proceeded to put this robe, that was really no robe at all, on the emperor and he proceeded to walk down the city streets exposed with his head held high, just as if he had a long flowing robe behind him. And so basically the emperor was walking through the streets naked. And I don't know how you say that. That's up for debate in my house, naked or naked. I'm from the deep south, so it's naked and it's naked. If you were doing something, you shouldn't be. So we're just gonna go with naked (laughs) right now. The emperor was parading through the streets with his head held high. And no one in the crowd wanted to say a word until a little girl peeped around the legs of her mother and said, but the emperor has no clothes on at all. And then people began to snicker watching the parade on the city streets. They began to snicker and knew what was happening except the emperor because he kept just parading through the city streets with his head held high, just like he had on the robe. And so as a kid, I thought it was ridiculous and it made me laugh because who would actually do that? Who would go out in public with no clothes on at all? But as an adult, maybe the reason why I remember the images in that book is because I know I've been that emperor at one point in my life. And maybe you know, you've been the emperor at one point in your life as well. But it is so hard to see. It is so difficult to recognize But now if I told you today, if I asked you today, okay, who's playing the emperor in your life? I imagine you could probably give me three or four people just right off the bat. For some of you, it might be that boss that you work with, that boss that parades around in his position and his title, he's demanding and sometimes demeaning. And people really know that he is just trying to demand respect because he really doesn't have it, because he lost it. Or for others of you, maybe it's just that friend or that acquaintance on social media that just is obsessed with likes and followers. And so they parade around and post doing whatever it takes to get those. When everyone, the people that know them well, just know that they're just discontented with their life and are just trying to get attention. Or maybe it's that office coworker that you know that just parades around in office politics, gathering information on others, much like Dwight Schrute in the office clip that we got to see. But really everyone knows that it's just their ploy to gain a position because they just want to feel accepted. And so why is it that we can point it out in others so easily but when it comes to ourselves, not only do we not wanna hear it, we don't even see it. But we're really good at this with one thing. When it comes to our external appearance, we got that nailed. Because how how many of you have ever gone to the bathroom about halfway through your work and you go to the mirror and you look and there is like something stuck in your teeth. And the first thing you do is like after you get a little embarrassed, you're like, I cannot believe I went all day long and nobody told me I looked like that. So we nail it when it comes to our ex appearance. our parents. Even last week on the patio, I was out there and someone had came up to me and we were just saying hello. And she said, Gina, your hair is just doing something weird right here. And she reached over and she just patted it down. And for a second, I had that twinge of embarrassment of like, because I really did comb my hair that morning. I didn't mean to look like that. But then she said, a sister doesn't let a sister walk around like that. And she was right, because we know that when it comes to our external appearance, we actually get upset if we were to look like that with something in our teeth or the toilet paper just streaming down the back of our heel. We get a little bit upset with people if they don't tell us things like that. So why is it, when it comes to the things that matter, the things that can be hurtful about us, the things that make us look like a fool, why is it so much harder to see in ourselves And why is it so hard to even give that feedback to others? And so we, the reason for that is because we only have one perspective, and that is ours. We can only see what we see. And so we begin to need, we need to listen to others. And that's the first thing that we're gonna do. We're gonna receive input from others. And so Proverbs, the scripture tells us this, that fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. And we're gonna think our own way is right. It's much like if you go to the gas station and you notice your windshield's dirty, so you jump out and you clean it, and then you jump back in and you realize it's still dirty. So you jump back out and you clean it and you scrub it a little bit harder this time, and you get back in, it's still dirty. And then you realize it's really not your windshield, but it's the smudge marks that are all over your glasses that are making the windshield dirty. And it's actually your perspective that is keeping you from seeing clearly. And so we've got to be able to receive input from others. But the key here is not all others need to be your others you got to pick your others. And it's great to have a vast array of friends. You want that. You want your circle of friends to be large. You want different perspectives in your life, different cultures, different everything in your life. You want a wide range of friends. But just because they're in your circle of friends does not mean they need to be in your collection of counsel. And what does that mean? You need to recognize who your friends are. Who has God put into your life? Because we believe that God is gonna bring people into your life, and especially as believers, if you have got the hope of Jesus Christ in you, you need to be influencing those around you. You need to be influencing your your friend group. But that doesn't mean you have to listen to everything because scripture tells us that fools listen to fools and wise walk with the wise. So when you recognize who is in your life, you wanna also recognize what their life is like. And it doesn't mean that their life needs to be perfect but you wanna go where they're going. If they're successful in their career, if they're doing well with their family, and it's not that they don't have issues or problems, but you wanna look at how are they handling those issues and problems. Are they handling them with kindness and compassion? Are they seeking wisdom themselves? Those are the people that you want to begin to gain their perspective. And you want to give them permission to do that. So you wanna recognize who is in your life and what their life is like. And then you want to give them permission to speak because so many times we are like the crowd and anybody in the crowd just could have just started laughing, but they were all afraid to. Even the closest people to the emperor, they were afraid to say anything because they were afraid that they were going to be found out. And so you have to give other people permission in your life to speak. So we were about 41 days away from the kickoff to college football. Your faces do not look as excited as they should be about that. Okay, what about NFL? Does that get you a little more? Okay, no, you're not. Okay, I love college football. I was raised up on college football. We are not far away from that beginning again. But what makes a great team in college football or any sport a great team? is not because they have the best players. It's not because the players on the field are all that. They are all that. But it's because they have coaches around them. And especially when you look at football, there's a press box. There's coaches up high. And then there's coaches on the field and they're continually giving feedback and perspective to the players because you could have the best arm around, but if you don't have great coaches telling you things that you can't see on the field, especially about the other team, you're not gonna be the best team around. And so that's what we wanna do with our lives. We want people around us. And so we do this well with our money. We know that's how this works there. We diversify our funds. I just remember being green, my first job, and somebody just telling me, I don't know what to tell you with this 401k, but just don't put it all in one place. And if you went to any financial advisor, they would tell you the same thing. You don't take all your money and you don't stick it underneath a bed or you don't put it all in one place because if something were to go bad in that stock or whatever, you're left with nothing. You wanna diversify your funds. And it's the same way with our counsel. We want to put people that are above us, beside us, and even behind us. And what I mean by that, above us. So you recognize someone in your life like, that are ahead of you in your career, they are ahead of you in the season of life that they're in. They're just ahead of you and somewhere in your life. You wanna get their perspective. How did you get there? What did you do to get there? What do you see in me that I need to change or I need to work on to get there? Someone beside you because you want people that know who you are and know where you're at. It's important to have those close people. That could be a spouse or a close friend, someone that is behind you. Now, sometimes we tend to dismiss the generation behind us because we think that they haven't lived long enough, that they haven't lived enough life. But really, we are missing out on a perspective that we will never have if we don't include the generation behind us. I'm just reminded of, in the New Testament, Paul talking to Timothy. And Timothy was just quite a bit younger than Paul, but they were both missionaries. And Paul told Timothy before he sent him out, he said, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because of your age. Because Paul knew that God had put wisdom inside Timothy that people needed to hear. And it's much like that with you. Who has God put in your life that is behind you that has some wisdom to share with you? It's just like the child in the story who peeped behind her mom's leg and just put the truth out on the table. And I don't know of anybody in my life that can throw the dagger of truth better than my kids to me. And so listen to the generation that is behind you. And one of the beautiful things I think here about the body believer in any church is that is afforded to you any ministry that you step into here at the summit, you get that collection of counsel, someone that's above you, beside you and behind you. There was a time about a couple of years ago that I just felt like I needed to grow, felt like I needed to stretch myself. I felt like God was saying, you need to work on some things. And so I began to ask God for help. Who do I reach out to God? Who is in my life that I could get a different perspective from? And there was an acquaintance that I had met here through ministry that, you know, when I looked at her life, I ran her life through the filters that we had kind of talked about earlier. She was doing extremely well, very successful in her career path, doing well with her family. Not that her family was perfect. Her family was going through some hard times, but it was the way that she talked about it. It was the way we prayed about it. It was the way she approached the situation that I was like, wow, this is is really, really impressive. And so I felt like I needed to get some wisdom for her, but I was terrified to ask. Because who, we didn't know each other that well. Who would take their time to spend with me if we didn't know each other that well? There was no benefit to her from just spending some time with me, giving me some perspective. And so I was telling a friend about it one day, and they were like, you should just ask her. Just do it. And so I sat on it for a little bit and still just terrified, trembling, just almost nauseous, sent the email and just wanted to hit undo, undo, undo. But I let it go anyway. And of course, because she was just a kind and compassionate person, she said, of course I'll spend some time with you. And so over the next several months, just a series of phone calls, and it wasn't a very lengthy time. She gave me some wisdom and some spiritual perspective that I didn't have. She gave me some practices and things to do that I will use for the rest of my life. And then through that conversation, just a few questions from her, she began to hit on something that I had been trying to deny. And I knew it was there, and she brought it out. And at first I didn't like it, but I knew that she was right. And she was like, Gina, I think before you really continue to move forward, you've got to work on this. And I didn't like to hear it, and there were a little bit of tears, but what she did for me, she uncovered something that I didn't wanna see and I wanted to deny, and it has kept me from playing the fool. And so who is that for you? Who in your life do you need to invite in? Who do you maybe need to reach out? And if you don't have that person above, beside, or behind, ask God to put them in your life. That's what He wants to do. He wants you to receive input from others. And so you want to build a collection of counsel because fools go alone, but wise people begin to receive input from others. So you wanna ask yourself, what am I trying to deny in myself that other people see? And then input from others over what you don't see keeps us from being deceived. So getting input from others and receiving input and giving permission for others to give you that input which is almost just as hard as receiving it, is what we, is where we need to start. So after we do that, after we are receiving input, we got, we got a choice to make. We can dismiss it or we can dive into it. And I'm just gonna tell you, our tendency is gonna be to dismiss it. Just like I was on the phone when she pointed that out to me, I was like, oh, how does she even know she doesn't know me about that well." Well, my first thought was like, she can't be right. But really, I knew that she was more than right. She was trying to tell me the truth. And so we're all gonna have that underlying fear. We're all gonna wanna dismiss it because it doesn't matter how successful we are in our career, how well we're doing in our home life, how well things are going. We all have that underlying fear. We all have the fear of failure. We've got a fear of rejection. We got a fear of not being respected and it's always there. And so we've got to take the courage to overcome that fear and dive into it and we gotta get real with ourselves. And so what does that look like when we get real with ourselves? So thankful for us, we live in a time and an age where there are a million and one assessment tools that can help you figure out who you are. And some of those, are—they're thankfully they're free, you can find them on the internet, but some of those are like the DISC assessment. You've probably had to take some or more for work. Um, The popular one now is the Enneagram, which is really great. There's some now that you can take that tell you what color you are. And that is a fabulous place to start, getting to know yourself, getting real with yourself, discovering who, what your strengths are, discovering what your weaknesses are. But the problem is if we just assign ourselves a number or if we assign ourselves a color, I'm a 7, I'm a 2, or whatever, and we just stop there, all we've done is we've gained some knowledge. So we don't, you don't want to allow what you are, the number that you are, And not allow it to affect who you are becoming. Because we can get all the knowledge in the world about ourselves. We can know ourselves really well. How we respond in certain situations, our weaknesses, our strengths. And that's just knowledge. And if we stop at knowledge, then all we've done is just become self-absorbed. Because there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. So knowledge is just knowing a lot of information. Wisdom is what are you going to do with it. How is it going to affect your life? How is it going to change your life? And so we got to get real with ourselves and do the hard work of knowing who we are and now what are we going to do with it? And that's a process. Unfortunately, it doesn't take overnight. Taking the test will be the easiest thing that you do. It's what you do with it from there that matters. It's what you do with it from there that keeps you from playing the fool. And it's a lot of hard work. But it is going to be the remedy to pl- to playing the fool, and so the scripture tells us that the prudent understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. So you can have all this knowledge about yourself, and you continue, and you can continue to deceive yourself. But what that scripture means is the wise or the prudent, they understand where they are going. And that doesn't mean they understand where they're going on vacation or they understand where they're going to college or what their career path is going to look like over the next few years. It doesn't mean that. It's a little deeper than that. It means that the wise understand their ways. You know your motives. You've gotten real with yourself. You know what causes you to act out. You know when you're going to act out in your weaknesses over when you're going to act out in your strengths. And sometimes what this looks like is like the helper. If you're a helper, you're great at helping people. But what happens when you're acting out of your weaknesses is maybe you're just being more people-pleasing. And what happens is you become depleted instead of being fulfilled because your strengths are going to fulfill you. But if your motivation is just people-pleasing, then you're going to feel depleted. Or what if you're the driver? You can get things done. That is your strength. You can move. You can accomplish things. But what if in your weaknesses you're just driving all over people? Then then you're playing the fool. You're no longer wise. You're playing the fool. And so we want to keep from from doing that, but it does take a lot of self-reflection. It takes a lot of hard work. But I have to tell you the risk of playing the fool, the risk of remaining the fool are pretty great. Scripture tells us that there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. And that doesn't necessarily mean physical death, because we all get to do that. We are all going to go there. But what it means there is that it could be the death of opportunity. It could be the death of relationship. It could be the death of growth. It could be the death of your integrity. And so if we don't pay attention to who we are, if we don't do the hard work of getting real with ourselves, we're going to think that we're right. And the risk of remaining a fool are great. So it's worth the time to work on this. It's worth the time to get real with yourself. A couple of weeks ago, Jonathan gave us a great illustration of a a foolish person and a wise person when the spotlight's put on them. And so when, in the spotlight, not jazz hand spotlight, not like that, but like the spotlight of like, it's starting to reveal who you are. Who you are is being put on the city streets. What do you do? And so the fool tends to just move the spotlight. But the wise person will let the light shine on them so they can begin to see what they need to work on. So what does that look like? How do you know if you're doing all this hard work, you're putting all this effort into it, how do you know you're even getting better? Because like I said, it's not an overnight thing. This is a process. And so when the spotlight reveals you, what do you do? And so the first thing the fool might do is together a posse. And what this looks like is you know a decision has come down and it was not your idea and you don't like it. So what you do is you go from office to office to office to office and you begin to sway people's opinion to get them on your side, on your team. Or do you just begin to gather information? You begin to hear from other people and you begin to pull people together and say let's come up with a collaborative solution here. Do you become defensive immediately, just right out of the gate? You got like the, the meanness comes out, your face changes. Or you, do you become open to perspectives? Do you rationalize or you excuse? You can make a list a mile long of why you did what you did and why it was the right thing. Or do you begin to seek the truth? Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. Maybe I should have done this. Or do you give up on change? And we've all said this before. That's just the way that I am. Or are you ready to grow? Are you open to change? and I believe that we tend to stick here, that's just the way I am, is because we have not become familiar with the power of God to change our hearts and our motives. And so it's easier for us just to say, that's just the way I am. Because really, when we're left with the reality of who we are, when we have gotten the wisest of input and we have gotten real with ourselves, we see our weaknesses. And it's just gonna be easier just to say, I'm just gonna stay the way that I am. But Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that we would play the fool every single time, which is why he offered us a remedy. He offered us himself. He offered us the Holy Spirit. And what that means is after his death and his resurrection, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't just say, peace out. I will catch y'all later. You're good, we'll party later, but y'all are good. You're gonna be all right. He didn't do that at all. He knew that we would fall to the full every single time if he didn't do something. And so it's why he gave us himself. He gave us his spirit. And when I say the Holy Spirit, I don't mean a magical force that's in a room that you hear every once in a while that just kind of comes and goes. Jesus said, when I left, I'm giving you my spirit that lives inside you. It lives inside me and it lives inside you. And he wants to bring you wisdom. Matter of fact, the scripture describes the Holy Spirit as the great counselor. He knows the past, the present, where you are right now and your future, and he also sees the completed version of you that God knew when he created you to begin with. He sees it all, and he wants to bring that perspective to your life. Because, really, the wisest of counsel, if you do the hard work of getting the wisest people around you and they give you input into your life and you get really real with yourself, you know who you are, you know when you're acting out of your weaknesses and you're doing your best to control it, you're still missing something. You're missing a divine perspective that God wants to give you. Because we will never get that without his help. And he's offering it to us through his spirit. And earlier this month we read a scripture that I love and it just said the wisdom of God was established before the foundations of the earth. And to me that is so cool to think about because what that means is God's wisdom, his ways, his precepts, everything, how the world is gonna work, how his ways are, were established before the foundation of the world. Before you were here, before I was here, before there was sand and seas and sky, the wisdom was already established. And what that means is God's wisdom does not have to mold to cultural opinions. God's wisdom does not have to submit to worldly systems. God's wisdom does not have to bow to political power. It is what is present, and it is what is holding us together and holding us up. And that is what he wants to give to you. But the problem is, just as we deceive ourselves about who we are, we also begin to spiritually deceive ourselves. It's just our tendency. And we tend to think that God is not holding us up, but he's hiding or holding out from us, which is opposite of what the scripture says. He says he's holding us together, but we think that he's hiding from us or holding something from us. And we think that we deceive ourselves to thinking that he only applauds for us or delights in us when we perform well, when we present to him out of our strengths, when we're ready to step into that volunteer role, when we're ready to forgive that person, when we're ready to read our Bible. We think that that's the only time that he finds us favorable, and that is not true. The reality is God delights in our weaknesses, but we tend to think that we have to hide those from God, and so we do. We don't get raw with him. We don't get real with God because we think we got to keep those back here, when really Scripture tells us that's when his power becomes more available to us in our weaknesses. He delights in our weaknesses because what he does with our weaknesses when we give those weaknesses to him, he captures our weaknesses so we are no longer captured by them and play the fool. And so he longs to work in our weaknesses, but we deceive ourselves into thinking that we can't go there with him. The other thing is we deceive ourselves into thinking that if we do go there, we get brave enough to go there with God and we expose our weaknesses to him and we say, here's who I really, really am and here's what I really, really feel and here's what I really, really want to do right now. If we expose that to God, we think lightning bolts coming down. Condemnation immediately. But the truth of the matter is that was settled on the cross. When Jesus died for you, that condemnation was over. You have been forgiven. It's what he meant when he said it's finished. Scripture tells us that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation and the harshness, that's the world's way. That's how the world responds to you. What God does when you present him your your weaknesses, he comes over you with his gentleness. It's his kindness that leads you to repentance, not his condemnation. What would it look like if we just got real with God? What would it look like if we allow God to invade our personal space? What if we got raw with God? And what I mean by raw, raw is unfinished. It's undone, it's not plated, it's not pretty. Raw is like a piece of material that you cut in half and it's got that raw edge and the edges are frayed and they're coming apart and you tuck it under and you try to seam it together so no one sees it. Raw is an open wound, it's tender, it's painful. Raw is like a sunburn at the beach that you didn't use sunscreen for. It's untouchable. You don't want anybody touching you. That's raw. And what it would look like if we got raw with God, we allowed ourselves to get raw with God. If we said, God, when she walked in the room today, jealousy swept over me. And we sat there with God for a minute and we let his gentle correction come over us. And we let his love come over us before we let that bitter root develop in our heart. And we started gossiping about her later. Or what would it look like if we got raw with God and we sat before God and we were like, God, I am depleted emotionally, affectionally. I'm not getting enough affection. I'm not getting enough attention. What do it look like if we just sat there with God for a little bit and just let his love sweep over us and let his gentleness sweep over us before we turn to that pornography or that other relationship, trying to build that void that it never will. What if we went there first? What if we got raw with God there? Or go, what if we got went to God and we're like, God, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I can't even forgive that person that's not even on the table right now for me, I can't even get there. What if we got raw with him right there and just let his love and his tenderness and his compassion and his voice coming over you saying, I know, I understand, I see it, I see how you feel, you're not condemned for how you feel, just let me work in it. What if we got there with God before we lost our temper in front of our friends or in front of our children and we lost our integrity? What if we allowed ourselves to get raw with God? Because we can keep pretending with God or we can tap into his power that is going to change us and going to give us wisdom, that is going to protect us. The scripture tells us that those think their own insight are full, those that trust their own insight are foolish but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. So what it's saying here is God's wisdom, not only is it holding us together, it is a safe place. You can be exposed, you can be raw there, you can be real there. Before you tell your spouse, before you tell your children, that's where you need to go. You need to go there first and get raw with God and just let Him speak over you because His wisdom is safe. His wisdom is going to protect you. His wisdom is gonna keep you from playing the fool. Because the reality is we're gonna become exposed either way. We are gonna be humiliated out of our own self-deception or we can choose to approach God in humility and rawness and let his goodness and his gentleness come over us. Because he said, when we're humble with him, it's him that raises us up. It is him that covers us up and allow him to be our covering. So when the spotlight falls on you and when the spotlight falls on me, let it illuminate our way to Jesus, who wants to cover us in his wisdom, who wants to cover us in his protection. And the best way that I've ever heard this demonstrated to me was like this. When you choose to walk in God's wisdom, and it is a choice, is you choose to step underneath his wisdom and his safety. And it's much like an umbrella. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna experience the weather, you are, your feet are gonna get wet, your hair is gonna get a mess. You're gonna experience the cool of the rain. But what does happen is you step underneath his protection and his safety. Your head is covered. You're not exposed. You're not playing the fool. And this safety and this covering was established before the foundations of the world. It cannot be moved. And that is what God affords us when we choose to walk underneath his wisdom. So let's get raw with God. Let's get real with yourself. And let's begin to receive input from other people so that we step under the covering of our creator. Let's pray together. Jesus, your wisdom is like a treasure. You said that in Proverbs and we've been reading it. And it is so true because the more we read it and the more we sit on it and think about it, it just becomes more real and apparent in our lives. And so God, I just pray for people listening today Who needs to get raw with you, God? We all need to get raw with you. There's not one person that doesn't need to get raw with you. But God, I just pray that they, when they get raw with you, that they would just be overcome with your gentleness and your kindness, because that's the what you told us you would do. So God, I pray that they would experience that like none other time before. God, I pray for us that need to get just real with ourselves. We need to reflect on who we are and how we're coming across to people. And God, I just pray that you put people in our lives that we can receive input from. I thank you for this church that is a collection of counsel and that you're forever growing, that we can be that for each other. And God, I just thank you that when we step underneath the covering of your wisdom, we get to experience life beyond what we could ever imagine or dream because that's what you said you would give us. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. And in your great name, we pray these things. Amen.